Welcome to the Experts Podcast, where we take you behind the scenes of what it really means to be in the media. Featuring interviews with media stable experts and some of Australia's prominent media. We'll break down some of the myths, the fears, the skills and the knowledge needed to succeed in the media. The Experts Podcast is for the business owner, communicator, PR professional, leader of industry or anyone looking to develop their profile to be a recognised expert. The Experts Podcast is powered by Media Stable. Well, hello everyone. Welcome to another Experts Podcast. My name's Nick Hayes. Hello, Carmen Braidwood. Hi, Nick. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. Carmen, when was the last drink you had? Oh, uh, on the weekend I had one Corona. One Corona? You were a Corona girl. Yeah, I know, right? Ooh, Topical at yeah. the minute. I, I, Dare would I? Th- I would have thought their numbers would have been dropped completely mm. out, but no, seems to be doing very well. Well... We've got a bit of a we've got a drinking expert here. Not that mm. because she drinks, she actually doesn't. In fact, yeah. she's celebrating a thousand days without a drink. Sarah Rusbach, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. A thousand days. I know, right? Wow. Congrats. Congrats. Mm. I don't think it's been twenty four hours since my last one. Um, tell us a bit about your story. It's grey area drinking. You're a grey area drinking expert, uh, a speaker, and a founder of the Free Spirit Drink Company. Now. You're not giving away free spirits, I assume. No, we're not. We're selling alcohol-free drinks. <laughs> ah, got it. Um, but yeah, so my um, drinking story was very similar to most women, I think. I drank through my 20s, started drinking when I was 14, 15 in the northern England, which is what you did. You went down the local bus stop with a bottle of cider and that was how you spent your weekends. Nice. Um, very nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then uni and then I moved to London and my first job was in recruitment, um, four rounds of interviews. The fourth interview was in the pub, seeing how many shots you could handle before you threw up. So uh, <laughs> drinking was everywhere. It was yeah. kind of like that was my life, but it was something that I did socially. So I was a big drinker socially, but yep. when I wasn't out socialising, I wasn't drinking. Um, got married, had a baby, moved to Perth, and that's for me when the drinking changed. Um, I was I got, had another baby very soon after, and I was suddenly at home, two young kids, husband out at work, yeah. no friends, no family, homesick, not wasn't working anymore. My life was unrecognisable to what it had been like, and wine became a friend. Yeah. Um, you know, something that I was looking forward to at the end of the day. That was my reward after a hard day with the kids of changing nappies and clearing up sick and watching them in play school. And so <laughs> alcohol took a different turn. And looking back now, I can see that's when it was, but didn't realise it at the time. Yeah. Um, and then I think through those next few years, just I noticed that the alcohol was starting to impact me more. So it was impacting my mental health. Um, Every time I had a drink, I was waking up at 3 a.m., couldn't get back to sleep. I was crippled with anxiety. I would wake up promising myself, I'm not going to drink today. And then by five o'clock, I'd be pouring a glass of wine going, oh, just one won't hurt. And very much stuck in that cycle that carried on for a really, really long time. Um, And then I took my first break in 2017. And I just said, I'm, I'm just done. I need to have a break. I, I feel like it's alcohol that is the, the problem here right now. And I started off wanting to do a 21-day detox um, and did 100 days mm. and felt amazing. Yeah. And that was kind of the first time as an adult that, apart from being pregnant, that I'd had a long enough break from alcohol to discover what I was like without alcohol. So what it was like to wake up hangover-free every single day to have energy to have positivity to have 
so much mental clarity and so much time and I was being the mum I wanted to be I was spending time with my kids in such a different way to how it had been before and it was like wow this is interesting this is kind of like what it's like on the other side because you're led to believe life without booze is boring right life without Mm. booze is like a prison sentence and something you must endure but you're certainly not going to enjoy are you sensing Everyone listening right now, Carl's everyone's going, oh, that's me, yes. or it could have been me, and or part of that story is me. Yeah, it's very relatable, isn't it, that that five o'clock reward, that friend, you know, and I've heard people addicted to cigarettes describe the cigarette as the friend in the pocket who's there with you when yeah. you need them. What I'm wondering, though, is why don't we call it alcoholism? And instead of grey area drinking, where did grey area drinking come from? So if you think about someone's drinking of being on a scale of one to ten, one is someone that very rarely drinks, doesn't really think about drinking, maybe has a glass of champagne at a wedding, that's it. Mm. Ten is end stage alcoholism. So someone who's physically dependent on alcohol Mm. and would need to have medical support to stop drinking or they die. Right, That's two ends of the scale. Sure. And in the middle is grey area drinking. So I wasn't physically dependent on alcohol. I didn't need to have a drink. I certainly didn't drink every day. Yeah. But I definitely had a problem with alcohol. So what's the difference between the people listening at home going, well, I have that five o'clock drink every day. Uh, They, grey area, do they have a problem? Like, what's the definition of a problem with it? I think to me and for all of the grey area drinking training that I've done, it's when you're starting to make rules around your drinking, but you're breaking them. So, oh, I'm only going to drink on a Friday and Saturday, but then you're suddenly justifying why you're drinking on a Thursday. You're drinking more than you said you would. You're finding that alcohol is starting to take more than it's giving. And that's what it was for me. It wasn't as fun as it used to be. I needed more to get the high. I needed more to, to get to the place I wanted to be. And then the impact it was having afterwards was taking me longer to recover. And it was about asking that question, is it taking more than it's giving? And if you're on that scale, I would say grey area drinking is probably a five to eight on five, six, seven, eight. I would class as grey area drinking. Right. And and look, the reason when you started talking about when you first uh, uh, had your first drink and the way that you dealt with it when with work and particularly uh, an interview that was at the pub seeing how much you could drink. I think <laughs> we've, we've been brought up on this, haven't oh, we? Yeah. Booze has been around us since, I, I, I mean, I can remember as an early kid, one of my great memories uh, serving uh, my f- father's 40th birthday I was only I was only 11 years old sorry for all the liquor hold licenses that I was breaking all <laughs> mm. the rules there but I was doing it from home yep. I remember taking a can and, and emptying it into the garden the empty there was just a dreg of it left and then a, a massive hand reached over the top of me and said stop that young man that's liquid gold oh. and I went and I looked up at him and I went oh liquid gold yeah. you know, and then I'm sitting yeah. there going so it was just not his influence it was just the thing that you know it's always around you it has We've been brought up on it. Has our culture, has our culture, Sarah, enabled and made sure that booze and and alcohol is part of our day-to-day routine? Absolutely. Like, even as a big drinker myself, I never drank on Sundays. And I came to Australia and I was like, oh, my God, like, Sunday's like the biggest drinking day of the week. Like, in the UK, we don't drink that much on a Sunday, right? And that was when I went to the UK. I couldn't believe they drink. They drink on a Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday. (laughs) This is nuts. I've got to do my – where's my sport? Where are all the things that I've got to – you know, my normal routine? After work, it's knockoff drinks. And they sit there and go, what are we doing in a pub on a Monday? Oh, Monday. 
their lunchtime. Yes. That all being said, Sarah, have we gotten better in this country and, and, and around the world at sort of accepting it when you say, no, I don't drink? No. Yeah. Um, I would say in the UK it's getting better. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say in Australia we've got a long way to go. Yeah. Still those awkward moments at parties where people feel like they have to know why? Oh, for sure. Like I was at a dinner party not that long ago and a woman I'd never met her before, she went to fill up my wine glass and I said, no thanks, I don't drink. And she looked at me and she went, why? Are you an alcoholic? Mm. But she's what? never met me before, but yeah. her immediate response was, well, here's... Uh, a, a white Western woman who's clearly, you know, successful, married, yeah. got a job, got kids. If she doesn't drink, she must be an alcoholic. Yeah, wow. But even to cast that kind of dispersion. Oh, it's such a someone, personal question. Yes. I mean, well. here we are talking about vaccines and mandates, etc., and yeah. all people nervous about that. And yet to do that is, yeah. is just incredible. Again... Is that the stigma with alcohol and alcoholism? Is that it's it's such a oh uh, you know uh, we want to put them away, we want to put them hide up them away in a closet because all of us just enjoy a drink and uh, and that's it. You know we'd want we just want to put the people that want to have fun. Yeah, absolutely. And look, alcohol is the only drug you have to justify not taking. If someone mm. says they've quit smoking, you don't say, oh, go on, just have one. Yeah. Whereas yeah. you say you quit drinking, and that's the first response. Don't be so boring. Just have one. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that the culture, like we have alcohol at everything we do, celebrations, commiserations, you know, have you ever been to a wedding, a birthday or a funeral that didn't have alcohol? Yeah. It's everywhere, right? Mm. An Irish friend of mine comes, uh, we're over at a dinner party and she was, when she moved over here, she was fascinated by the fact that everyone had uh, beer in the fridge. And the first thing they'd offer someone is, uh, would you like a beer? Yeah. As opposed to in Ireland, it would be, would you like a cup of tea? Cup of tea, yeah, yeah for see. sure. And no, yeah. we're just in a different space, different world. So how's the media helping you get this message out there? And and I guess much like why quit drinking, why why get the message out there? And I think the, the reason I was so passionate about getting my message out there was because I discovered a way of life that I never thought possible. And on going on this journey, as you said, I've just celebrated a thousand days alcohol free. If you'd have told me that I would have got to this point of such self-acceptance, self-confidence, improved my self-esteem, have the level of motivation, mental clarity, energy, positivity that I have, I am like a different version of who I was. And I can honestly tell you when I was drinking, it was like living my life in black and white and now I'm living in colour. That's the only way I can describe it. And that is why I am so passionate about sharing. You don't have to be an alcoholic to choose to stop drinking. Yeah. It's just about going, is alcohol taking more than it's giving? It's the yeah. questions. It's the questions, Carms, because at yeah. least challenging you uh, as to how you're going about it and just a little bit of self-reflection into so how you're dealing with it. Because you've got me thinking about it because I'm sitting there going, yeah, okay, there's areas and spaces there I, I probably need to work and deal with. Yeah. yeah. The 3 a.m. wake up, that's got to be the common one that we just don't realise is so interesting. I mean, I'm different. I've spent my whole life thinking about when I'm sleeping because I worked on breakfast radio. And that's yeah. all you talk about is when you went to bed <laughs> and when you got up. But others, you know, really will very, very quickly think, oh, well, I can't sleep tonight, so I'll go and have a drink. And then wonder why they woke up at 3 a.m. all hot and sweaty. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a reason for it, and I won't go into all the details now, but there's a physiological reason as to why we wake up at 3 a.m., all to do with our liver processing the alcohol, how long it takes the body to go through alcohol withdrawal, because you go through alcohol withdrawal whether you've had a glass or a bottle. makes no difference. I always thought it was Netflix that was getting me up at 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning, but it's, oh, but those shows aren't that good. So, Sarah, um, Carm's sort of 
talked about the media and, and the role that it plays. Yeah. How has the media reacted to you? Because, I mean, it's a topic that I think even even most presenters uh, would and be self-reflecting and thinking about how they do it. It's a tough one for some people to, to actually hear and actually and reflect. Yeah, it's been amazing. I think I've shared with you before, I had an article go into an Australian women's publication um, and that's led to 7,000 women reaching out to me. Wow. Wow. And every single one of them has said the same thing. You've just told my story. Thank you for not making me feel so alone. Yeah. yeah. That is the power of the media and that is why I do what I do and I share so openly the struggles that I had because if I can help one woman who's suffering in silence in the way that I was to not feel so alone and to know that there is another way to do life when I can show her and hold her hand through that process and then, then that's my job done right and so it's it's been amazing actually like I've done that many radio interviews I've been on tv now I've been in all the papers um I mean, it's interesting as well. I was on the front page of our local paper and because I'd stopped drinking. And then you have to question, why the hell is that even front yeah. page news that a, that a <laughs> mum from the local primary school has given up alcohol? Like That, again, shows what society is doing in terms of alcohol. Well, it shows us how much work we've got to work on, what we've got to do. Yeah. yeah. Because it's, it's probably where uh, this is an issue and a problem that we haven't addressed and we haven't talked about. And it's people like you that are doing this, that is getting it. 7,000 people comes. Incredible. I mean, you know, you think about it. If you, were, if you were selling a product or a service and you had 7,000 people overnight saying, how do I get hold of it? Or, you know, where do I find out more? You'd be, you'd be laughing all the way to the bank. Oh, totally. And, you know, if you wanted to be a person who was an entrepreneur and started a business like you have done with your free spirit, Drink Co. Um, you know, were you the sort of person who would have done that before? Is that has giving up the grog helped that process, or do you think it's something more nuanced than that? No, I think it was in me, but I didn't have the energy or the motivation or the confidence to do anything. And this has been the greatest gift of sobriety is discovering what I want and having the energy and the confidence to go for it. And I see it time and time and time again with my coaching business, with the women and men who I've supported to give up alcohol. They've changed careers. They've changed moved out of relationships that weren't serving them they've gone back to uni they've taken up horse riding they've, they've started just creating a life that is giving them so much more fulfillment than just staying in and drinking a bottle of wine every night oh, it's oh good, she holds it? a mirror up to us yeah well look but look this is a, this is a strong <laughs> message to be sending out and i think you know a lot of people will be listening to this and going yeah. well it's time to reflect um Talk to me about the Free Spirit Company because the idea of uh, buying, for instance, a beer. I, I'm a beer drinker. I like beer um, and I don't mind whiskey either. So I'll, I'll put that out there. But the idea of buying a bottle of whiskey without any alcohol in it, I'd be going, why? Because it doesn't really even taste that good to the first place. So yeah. what, what, why, why are these drinks doing so well? Because the market take-up of these are through the roof. Yeah, and it's because... What are the options? So as someone who hasn't drunk alcohol for a thousand days and because so few bars and restaurants sell alcohol-free drinks, mm. when I go out, my options are a really high sugary cocktail and I don't, yep. I don't um, consume sugar so, mm. or water. That is all that's available to me. Sure. Whereas I now can, and I phone up restaurants before I go, and I take one of my alcohol-free French champagnes that are two grams of sugar per glass, tastes like a dry French champagne, and it's got no booze in it. Mm. That nice. ticks all the boxes for me, right? And then I feel like I'm out with my girlfriends. I still love going out. I still love going to clubs and dancing and doing all of that. I just don't want alcohol. Yeah. Wow. I reckon. I reckon. I reckon if someone was, and do you ever get the someone bumming a drink off, you say, "Oh, can I have a glass of that?" And probably would almost have the. Placebo 
placebo effect Absolutely. anyway. Absolutely. I yeah. would just love the energy to go clubbing again. That'd be nice. <laughs> well, that's what you get when you stop drinking. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're fit and you don't have to stumble through the door. Um, so, Sarah, love the story. Love, and I, and I think that the, for everyone that's out there that's listening to this now, will be going, and they, and they heard you speak at the beginning, such a personal story. And I think that, you know, when an expert has a personal story to tell, um, you can reach others in another level. I think, you know, you can be an academic and be the best of some particular subject and just be purely textbook. But when you've lived it and worked it and, and, and actually been a part of it, I think it comes out so well. Absolutely. And that's been the thing that the media has taught me. The, the articles and the interviews that get the most response are when I show my most vulnerability and when I'm the most open and I've got a group with 10,000 women in it who listen to me and I'm just like them I swear I talk how it is I tell them my arguments with my husband I tell them when the kids are being naughty and doing my head in and I'm just me and the more you are just yourself and you share your story with them the more people realize that what I'm talking about is available to them because I'm just like them Yep. And, and, and I can deal with all the crap that life throws at you without wine, and so yeah. can they. It's trust, pure and simple. Yeah. You know, if somebody has actually lived through that thing that you're experiencing and can give you lived experience and advice, you're going to listen to them far more readily than a traditional expert, in inverted commas. Exactly, and that's where I think you know the media has been a brilliant opportunity for me to be able to share once I got over my fear of going everyone's going to judge me I can't bear the thought of the kids teachers thinking that I used to have a problem with alcohol you know but once you get over that then I've kind of just stepped into it and gone so what if my kids teachers think that if I'm helping and supporting so many other people then that's what it's all about I, I think you, yeah I, 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 I know that fear would probably be real but I think that you would be and you're probably feeling this now is that you're far more proud of the fact that you've got over that and you're brave enough to work with this and deal with this so hats off to your bravery and the kids are seeing you out there sharing that story and the impact you're having on other people which can only be good to demonstrate as a parent too right absolutely like on mother's day my son wrote a card at school and he wrote, Mum, I want to know I'm so proud because you help so many ladies to live the best life that they can live and no oh. other mums do that. Oh my and he's gosh. 10 and he did that. And <laughs> I was just like, you don't realise what your kids pick up on. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And getting back to the thinking the teachers are going to judge you thing. I mean, your poor kids' teachers have probably never said anything to make you think that they're going to judge you. But yeah. we take it on ourselves to create thoughts that other people are going to think all yeah. the time. And yeah. a good, strong message to all listening, experts out there, be brave. Be brave and tell your story. Don't be afraid of what others think because the thing that I'm most afraid of as, a, as an expert in my space is I'm more afraid they go and ask someone else. That would be what I'm more yeah. afraid of as opposed to telling my star story, telling it authentically. Now, Sarah, I've got to ask you because you have, as you mentioned, done radio, you've done some television, you've done some print media. Which is the media that you prefer because I, 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 we should let all the listeners know that Sarah has to rush off after this podcast to do <laughs> a 3AW cross to Tom Elliott uh, just no just a, the you know biggest drive show in the country but which media have you enjoyed the most I absolutely love podcasts because oh, I this. love going deep and and what mm. I find frustrating with the radio and yeah. the shorter ones is you can't really get the message across and and whereas going deeper into the story and the why and and sharing information that can really help others is what I'm so passionate about and that's why I love doing the longer length um, interviews. Yeah. Well, I'm going to butcher this interview afterwards and turn it into short bits I would have played on my radio show. So look out for those on my socials. Awesome. All right. <laughs>
But I think that the longer form, and particularly if you're someone that has a longer story to tell, it can be frustrating mm. because you feel like you don't have the time to properly share or at least engage with an audience and help them understand. But that's our skills as an expert, and particularly when you're working with the media. Yeah. And like Carms, when you you know 96 FM only had really small shots, oh, didn't yeah. they? Uh, yeah. Six PR on your breakfast program that you're working on. You know, you've really got four or five minutes max. That's right. So it's so important that you, as the guest, and I've heard you on TV and on radio, and you're really good at this series. As as the guest, you no matter what the question, you just get your story out right away. So it's it's almost the listen to me because my story. Now I'll answer your question. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that's what we get you expert as at when you do some media training, which you've clearly done. Well, it's been you guys that have really helped me and, and understanding how to, to manage the process and the interviews and when to pause and, and, and all the rest of it. So that's been absolutely brilliant. But, you know, you always come away going, oh, I wish I'd said that or I wish I could have said that. But you just have to go with it in the moment. Right? Sarah, it's up the stick now. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I've been doing this for 25, 30 years and <laughs> there's not an interview that I haven't come out of going, oh, God, I wish I said that. Yeah. And you know what? We're also to our own worst critics too because we'll, we'll always pick out the things that we didn't do right, but we very rarely focus on the positives so where to next Sarah what's the you've got you've got a gr- great lay down a foundation of media message talking what, what 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 can you do here so the next for me is working more with corporates um, I've just um, signed a contract with um, a big mining company um, and I'm going and talking more to them and my message is not you must not drink mm. my message is not alcohol's bad my message is if you're stuck in the grey area where I was, maybe try taking a break and see how it makes you feel and sure. here's how to go about doing it. And I think that no one talks about the link between alcohol and mental health. No one's mm. talking about the link between alcohol and anxiety. Yeah. When I went to my GP, when my anxiety was so bad, it was like I couldn't even walk my kids to school some mornings when I was hungover because I couldn't bear the thought of bumping into someone because I was just like this shell of myself. And I went to my GP. She never once asked me, how much are you drinking? Mm. She happily wrote me a prescription for anti-anxiety tablets, mm. but never asked me that. And this is what I'm so passionate about talking about. Uh, You're going to mobilise the masses of this era. Yeah. It, 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 look at the, the way that they medicate. The, the, the doctors, the GPs and the, the health system medicates you for issues that where the real underlying factors were obviously something else. We're exactly. self-medicating already. Yeah. yeah. And now knowing what I know about mixing those kind of prescription tablets with alcohol, which I would have been doing if I'd taken them, mm-hmm. who knows where that would have gone. And so I'm really passionate about the corporate talks, about getting into the corporates, about getting them engaged with having alcohol-free drinks, doing alcohol-free drinks tastings. I did it with a big recruitment company in Perth <laughs> and they had a blind taste test. Can you tell which one's alcohol-free and which one's alcohol? And they couldn't tell. So there you go. There you go. There's a good video. I hope you recorded all of that. The, the, <laughs> yeah. the, the Pepsi Coca-Cola challenge. Yeah. And there's no, you can't tell the difference. And I, look, I've got to say that the industry itself, and not just your own um, business there, but there is a growing industry that's there. And the gins, etc. God, they, they taste great. Mm. Um, and you wouldn't have a clue that you're not. The fact that you can get up and drive the car straight away yeah. is an is an indication that you're you're fine. But um, the taste there, and just going through that social scene there, is to have a drink there instead yeah. of it, one. It could be alcoholic or it's not. It's just that we we are sometimes judged if we don't have one yeah. in our hands. Absolutely. In the UK, I don't think you'd go to a single pub or restaurant now that wouldn't have an entire list of alcohol-free drinks. Amazing. But here, you'd be lucky if you can find one. Well, talk to the hospitality 
industry. I mean, it's not like they're cheap either. No. So they can put a good markup on it. They can yep. sell it. People are prepared to pay for it. You can still make dosh out of selling alcohol-free drinks, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Is there a generation now, is the younger generation now looking at this very differently? Because Absolutely. I, I think that I'm still the product of my parents, that man reaching over saying yep. that's liquid gold. Um, and still that, that resonates and has hit with me all my life. Yeah. Um, the generations now, I don't think that they're controlled or they're a little bit more free thinking around Absolutely. this. Absolutely. And I would say that the majority of the people that I'm working with in my coaching business are in their 40s and 50s. Yeah. Um, because that's the generation where we've been brought up thinking alcohol is this thing that's going to add to our life. It's going to make us have more connection, more joy, more fun, um, be more attractive to the opposite sex. Like we're sold this myth, whereas I don't know if the younger generation mm-hmm. are falling for that now. They want to look good. They want to feel good. They It's all about Instagram and stuff. Like, thank God they didn't have Instagram in my drinking days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that too. Oh, the generation. <laughs> it was hard enough on Kodak. There's plenty of moments got caught that way that yeah. I wish Yeah, didn't. but at least it was three or four days after the event. <laughs> you know, you could, your hangover was subsided and you're looking at it going, Jeepers, did I get up to that? Just got to delete that. I mean, cut it up. Cut it up. Yeah, to cut it up. But how is that generation? How is this? Why is this generation doing it differently? Is it because um, they haven't necessarily been under that same pressure, or that I I, I just think that the way people are working, uh, like they don't smoke, they don't. Uh, feel that they have to go out and get blotto every 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 week. It's that they look as though they've got themselves under control. Yeah, and I'd say look, there's there's still going to be pockets and and groups of people where it is very different. But generally speaking, I would say that there are more and more younger people in their teens and twenties who are choosing not to drink alcohol or to really really not drink in the way that I drank for yeah. sure. Yeah, I've noticed it with my stepson and his mates. They really drink a lot less and they have a lot of naivety till story boys uh, about drinking compared yeah. to what we did at yeah. that same age. And I'm delighted. Yeah. Part of me thinks it's because, you know, we didn't give kids of that generation soft drinks. You know, like I was chugging back soft drinks from age four and, and liked it, you know, and yeah. I like the fizzy bubbles. But you know Kids who went to school with my stepson and himself included, they haven't had a lemonade or a Coke in their mm, whole life. Sure. And so the thought of then going to a, a fizzy, you will, um, a, what, what are they called, a post-mix drink or whatever, can, yep. a yeah. fizzy stuff with alcohol is like, yuck. Just wouldn't mm. want to drink that. Too mm. sugary. Yeah, see, that's when I, I recall back in my early days is I, I – I drink a UDL over a beer because yeah. it was just a. It almost felt like a soft yeah. drink with alcohol. Oh, and it's you, like, yeah, look at that! You've now, now you've come yeah. back to work out why we why we've done this is because of those soft drink companies. Damn you, you soft drink companies! <laughs> this this podcast is brought to you by Coca Cola. No. no, so ah, oh, look, it it just all seems to make sense. Um, Sarah, I'd I'd love to know. So speaking's a big thing for you. Yeah. Um, and I I would imagine now that the media and getting some presence in the media now also too as part of your portfolio is going to make you more attractive on the speaking circuit when we're all allowed to come together uh, for uh, for, speech, for speeches. Is it is that your goal? Is that where you're heading to to talk and communicate your message? Yep. There's, um, I'm setting up my own podcast. Um, I think there's a book in me. Um, uh-huh. There is um, some corporate talks and then just growing my community and yep. just getting, you know, it's an inclusive, welcoming, supportive community of 10,000 women all around the world who are all just looking to live their best life because you get one yeah and most people in the western world have never taken a long enough break from alcohol to know what they are like or what life is like without it because you don't know that from doing one month you don't know know that from doing two weeks off 
I say you've got to do at least 100 days to just really get to know what it's like to be you without having any of the withdrawal of alcohol. All right, so, yeah. I'm going to give it a crack, Carmen. Yeah, I'm going to give it 100 days. Oh, Ooh. wow. Ooh, there Good you go. Call Look on at the podcast. Look at the influence you've already had on this. <laughs> Forget about all the influences out there. Sarah Raspich is doing it right now. Now, I'm going to give it a crack. And the reason I'm going to give it a crack is because I think I have, and I resonate with some of the stories that you've just talked about there. And, um, and I think, you know, we could all just give your body a break as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I did do for two months. Uh, I was on a bit of a fitness uh, thing, and that's only sixty days. But without, and I've got to say, I did feel great. I felt wonderful, and I'm going. Why did I ever go back? <laughs> why yeah, did I ever yeah. go back? It, no, because you do. You get to the stage, as Sarah points out, where it's just not worth it for that. It's not necessarily even a hangover. We know it is a hangover. It doesn't feel like the traditional awful. Well, I want to die hangover. It's more like, well, I'm just not as sharp today. Yeah. Yeah. I've got brain fog. I didn't sleep well last night. You know, those things actually make a difference to how they well do. you can run your business. And the thing is that for most people, and myself included, moderation was never an option. I was never someone that could just have one or two. I loved getting drunk. Right. right? So for me and for so many, just having one or two and just not thinking about it in between yep. wasn't an option. Yeah. So I- it was easier to say none than it was to say one or two. And you can see how that can turn into picking the kids up from school plastered. You yeah. know, like if you just let it go that little bit further, yeah. um, yeah. the, the reward at the end of the day comes back sooner and sooner or you're still drunk or who knows yeah. what goes on. You yeah. know, you just build that tolerance. So yeah. slippery slope. Well, a podcast. Looking forward to hearing that. I think that'll be fascinating. Have you got um, Have you got guests and people that you're thinking about? Who Who, who will you be interviewing? Who Who are you going to be talking to? Oh, I've got some amazing people who I've been lucky enough already to interview in my groups. Um, some of the leading um, experts in the UK in living life alcohol free. Some international authors. Some anxiety coaches. Excellent. Um, a doctor, a hormone specialist who talks about the impact for women on mm. why alcohol causes breast cancer. So. So there's going to be lots of information as well as lots and lots of bits about my own journey and inspiring others. And for the time being, that information's all in your community where exactly. we can access it. Yeah. yeah. And Carmen got a good, good, good accent for a podcast. Yeah. I, 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 I'm, I'm listening. I'm listening with intent. Well, the fact is, Nick, we all have an accent, I like to say, these days. With, when you're making a podcast, your audience is international, as yeah, opposed to your audience sure. when you're on radio or TV, which is just plain old Australia or just Perth. Not enough. You want to go stratospheric. Yeah, Make love your it. own content. And I think you've got, you're on the right topic. If you can get 7,000 people uh, calling in or, or emailing you after one article, I think your podcast is going to go bananas. Uh, Sarah Raspich, we ran out of time. If people want to get in contact with you, what's the best way to do it? So just go to my website, which is sarahrusbatch.com. And if you want to join the Women's Wellbeing Collective, is a Facebook group for women who are looking to change their relationship with alcohol. Beautiful. Hmm. Hey, Cubs. I like it. All right. I've been, I've been put on record. I'm going to do 100 days. Uh, Starting when? Oh, <laughs> damn it. Now I'm being held to account. It's your accountability piece. I've uh, Well, when this one goes to air, I will be doing it from 100 days straight. Okay. Okay. So this will be going to air in 2028. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's going to air very shortly. That's the challenge. All right. I'm going to be held to account. Sarah, thanks for joining us today on the Experts Podcast. Another great one. Hey, let's let's talk to another expert or another media next week. I reckon we should. Thanks, Carms. Thank you. You've been listening to the Experts Podcast, powered by Media Stable. If you'd like to get in contact with the team, head to mediastable.com.au.